Good morning. I'm glad to be here today. I hope you are too. We are going to talk about something that uh, I told my wife when I was on the way to church this morning. I said, you know, you study the Scriptures a long time and you read lots of passages and sections and chapters and all. And yet when you back up and you take like a whole book, and we're not going to cover a whole book today, but when you take a whole book looking for one thing in particular, and you read and you see everything that book has to say about it, like I've done this subject this morning, it's almost like I never knew it. It's almost like I'd never never noticed before what the Bible has to say, even though I've read this book many, many countless times through the years. Do you have somebody that you go to for wisdom? I mean, when you have a decision that you need to make, that's a, an important decision, something that matters, something that you really don't know exactly what to do. Do you have someone that you call? Someone that you talk to? I do. That guy right there. Most of you recognize him. That's my dad with his guitar. (laughs) I go talk to Dad. I ask Dad for his counsel and his advice. But as I'm getting older, and Dad's getting older, I understand that that's changing. And the day's going to come when I can't go ask Dad. I know that's that's the case. That's coming. Um, Solomon, when he was a young man, you, you know who Solomon was, King David's son. Solomon is widely regarded as the wisest man that ever lived. And the reason that's true is because when Solomon became king, David had been such a righteous man, such a man after God's own heart, that God came to his son and he said, Solomon, I'm going to give you whatever you ask for. What a blessing that would be, huh? Solomon thought about it and he said, he said, God, he said, I need wisdom. I need to be able to lead your people because he said, I'm not even wise enough to hardly know how to walk through a door by myself. I need wisdom. And it pleased God. And God gave him wisdom. And one of the wonderful blessings that God did for you and I is that God preserved that wisdom of Solomon in the books and the writings of Solomon. And one of those is the book of Proverbs. And we're entering into a study of the book of Proverbs. And there's no way we're going to cover everything in this book. But my job today is to talk to you about the general theme or idea of the book of Proverbs and how we get value out of that and what that value is to us. You know... This passage was part of what Dustin read for us this morning. It says that Proverbs was written so that Solomon's son and those who read would be able to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young men knowledge, and discretion. All of those things are what the Bible calls wisdom. It's the ability to be wise. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more important wisdom is to me. 
It's important to me because not only do my decisions now affect me, when I got married, they begin to affect my wife. And when we had children, they began to affect my children. And now that my children are getting married and having their own kids, <laughs> sometime my decisions and my thoughts will affect them and my grandkids and my great-grandkids. My decisions as a worker in the church affect all of you because I'm one of the men who leads in our congregation under the elders here. Wisdom matters because it affects people's lives. Solomon said this in chapter 4 and verse 7. He said, wisdom is the principal thing. You know what that means, the principal thing? It means it's the first, it's the beginning, it's the best, it's the chief, it's the choice part. You know, when you go to uh, a restaurant and they have choice meats, I think John would tell us that's good quality, right? It's, it's what you would choose. John says, no, there's better than that, right? <laughs> the choice is what, if you had a choice, you would choose, right? That's what choice is. And Solomon's saying that if you have a choice in this life, which I believe we do, I believe we have free will, and I believe we have a choice in our lives, the way we live our lives. He says the best choice is to be wise. He made a good choice when he was a young man. He goes ahead in this verse and he says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Do you do anything to get wisdom? Or do you just live your life? What do you do in your life on a weekly basis or maybe a daily basis to get wisdom? Somebody says, well, I pray and I ask God and He said He'd give me wisdom. Well, that's good and that's true and that's important. But do you do anything else to get wisdom in your life? This is a, a directive to us. He says it's the most important thing because it affects everything else. And because it affects everything else in your life, when you go to getting, you need to get wisdom. Luke told me this morning, he's fixing to come into the 20, 21st, 20th, I don't know. He's a little behind technologically. He's going to get a smartphone. He's going to get a smartphone. It's a good thing to get. I enjoy my smartphone. I use it. It's helpful to me to get places and to contact people and all. But in all you're getting, Luke, get wisdom. That's more important than a smartphone. I'm not picking on Luke. I know I can talk about him. In all you're getting, get wise. You know, when you look through the book of Proverbs, and I've read Proverbs, like I said, many, many times through the years, and I'll read a chapter and I'll, a verse or two will stand out, and I'll think about those verses through the day and, and those kinds of things. Many of you have heard me recommend that to you in the past. And it does change your opinion of things and the way you think about things. But what I've begun to do in this study is look at specifically the verses that contrast wisdom with foolishness. Being wise with being a fool because Proverbs talks a lot about that. 
And I just want to give you a few of these verses. We're not going to discuss them. I just want to read them to you. And I want you to know this is just a little piece of the verses in Proverbs that contrast being wise and a fool. And we're just going to read right through these before we go ahead and make some comments. The wise inherit honor, but fools he holds up to shame. A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but man of understanding delights in wisdom. The fool will be servant to the wise. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims foolishness. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Now these are passage after passage after passage. And like I said, this is just a little piece of them. It goes on and on and on and on like this. The distinction between wise and foolish. And what I see in this, and what I want you to see as we study today, is that God lays out two different paths that you can live your life. Two different ways that you can go. And I don't know if you've ever been in the woods and seen a split in the paths like this, but you can go one direction or you can go the other direction. We all have that choice. And in the book of Proverbs, he says one path is the path of wisdom and the other is the path of foolishness. He teaches us that a wise man walks one path and a fool walks the other. Now, it's pretty easy to look at this and go, well, you know, I think I would like to be wise, isn't it? Wouldn't you prefer to be wise? I don't, or, or, I uh, can't even talk. I don't often ask people to raise their hands, but I'm going to right now. If there's anyone here who would rather be a fool than a wise man, raise your hand really high right now so we can all see. No hands. Why? Because we all know the way of wisdom is a better way to live. But what does it mean to be wise? It's one thing to say, well, I'd like to be wise. I want to be wise. But what does that mean to be wise? What I want us to do now just for a little bit is to look at what Solomon teaches us wisdom is and how we get wisdom and and what it means really to be a wise person. How you know if you're wise or if you're a fool. So what is wisdom? What is this path of wisdom that we're going to follow? The word wisdom itself means this. To perceive, to discern, to understand, or to know. To perceive, discern, and understand. You know, there are many things in this world that if you don't know anything about... you are, For instance, I know nothing about hockey. 
I've been to a hockey game, to a hockey game one time with Zach. That's the only hockey game I've ever been to. I don't know anything about hockey. I know they've got skates and they've got sticks and they hit each other and they've got a little frozen puck. They try to get into the net. That's about all I know. And that stuff goes along and, I mean, it'll be, and somebody go, oh, there was icing. And I'm going, there's ice all over the rink. I don't, what are you talking about? I don't perceive. I don't understand. I don't have any wisdom or knowledge about hockey. There are other things, though, that I do have some perceived wisdom because I can perceive or understand, I can discern between right and wrong, good and bad, correct and incorrect. What we're talking about for you and I today is the spiritual wisdom. We might describe it like this. It's having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Now, we all have errors in judgment sometimes, don't we? We all have lapses in judgment. But a wise man is somebody who through their life has experience and that experience produces knowledge. And that knowledge gives them good judgment. That's why I believe that God wants elders to lead the church instead of young people. Because you've got experience and that experience and that knowledge produces in you good judgment. And you make decisions that are wise in leading God's people. That's really it in a nutshell, isn't it? It's making good decisions instead of bad decisions. Now, I've made some bad decisions in my life. Some terrible decisions. Some in all different areas of my life. In relationships, I've made bad decisions at times in the way I behaved in certain relationships. I've made bad decisions financially at times. I've made bad decisions just in just doing dumb stuff. Sometimes that's one of the things I tell our kids, our family motto, don't do dumb stuff. (laughs) It's a good family motto. Being able to make a good, wise decision. How do I do that? Where does that start? I mean, how do you become wise if you're not wise already? That would seem to be a challenge, wouldn't it? Proverbs helps us out with that. Proverbs says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So if you want to begin with wisdom, the very first place to start, the very beginning of wisdom is to fear God. To fear the Lord. He tells us something else about the fear of the Lord in chapter 16. He says, by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. So if you want to depart from evil, if you have some evil in your heart and in your life that needs to change and you need to get away from it and you need to correct that, how do you do that? Well, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Somebody says, well, what does that mean, the fear of the Lord? I mean, does that mean walk around being scared all the time that God's going to strike you down? Is that what that means? We know in the Bible that fear is an appropriate motivator. The Bible says Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. David talks many times about his fear of the Lord. What does it mean to fear God? Well, I believe that the fear of the Lord can be summed up as... 
an understanding and awareness of some very specific things. A fear of the Lord can be summed up as this, an understanding and an awareness that God is judging you by every word you speak, by every deed you do, by every thought you think, and by every motive and intention of your heart. I want to look at these just for a second. Every word you speak. The Bible says, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Did you know that God judges you based on the things you say? You ever get mad and say something? You know you shouldn't say it, but you just can't keep your mouth shut. You ever do that? I have many, many times. God says that's a fool. And God says that He judges you by the words that you speak. You know, you don't ever say anything that God's not listening. Sometimes you see people... I always tease my wife. I say, women gossip and men share facts. <laughs> Sometimes men gossip too, though, don't we? You lean up and you quietly say something. Well, hey, step over here. Let me talk to you for a second. You know, when you do that... You know who else is standing right there listening to every word you're saying? God. When you're texting, don't tell anybody this, but... You know who's looking over your shoulder reading that text? God. Everything you say to other people, the Bible teaches that God is judging you by that. Now, there's a lot of stuff I've said in my life that if Jesus was standing right there, I wouldn't have said. How about you? Fear of the Lord is knowing that God's judging me by the things that I say. Number two, fear of the Lord judges you by every deed that you do. Everything you do, God judges. Look at this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Someday you will stand in front of God and you will give account for the life that you lived. Now I know the Scriptures teach that through grace God forgives us and I'm, I'm, you all know I'm totally aware of that and I teach that all the time. But that is, when you're doing something, God's watching you and He's judging you according to what you're doing. And you may fool me and you may fool your wife or your husband or the elders at church or your boss, but you're not going to fool God because He's watching and judging you by everything you do in your life. Now, I don't know about you. Yes, I do. You're just like me. You've done a bunch of stuff in your life that if Jesus was standing right there, you wouldn't have done, haven't you? I have. Every one of us. Being aware that Jesus is judging you by everything you do is part of wisdom. It's part of the fear of the Lord. Being aware that God is judging you by every thought that you think. Look at this. It says that 
God would have us to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That is a part of our marching orders as a Christian. The things you think, sometimes, well, that's just my, that's just my perspective. It may be, but it may be a wrong perspective. That's just the way I see things. Well, it may be, but it may be the wrong way to see things. The right way to see things is what God says. Regardless of how you feel about that, that's the right way to see things. That's wisdom. It's what God says is right. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that doesn't seem right to me on the surface. He who is greatest of all will be the servant of all. Does that seem right to you? I mean, really, the way we normally think of it, the greatest is the guy calling the shots, right? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. But God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Does that seem right to you? I have a little pleasure in the death of the wicked and I mourn the death of the saints. God is always right. So what I need to do is my thoughts. I need to be aware that God hears every thought that I think. And even when I want to say something and I don't, but I harbor that thought in my heart of hatred or bitterness or anger or lust or greed or whatever it is, God is hearing my thoughts just as clearly as you hear my voice right now. He hears everything that I think. And He judges me accordingly. Finally, God judges you by every motive and intention of your heart. Scripture says this, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God discerns between your thoughts and your intentions and God judges you accordingly. You know, you can do the very same action from a lot of different motives, can't you? Okay? I can shake your hand and smile and say, How are you doing today? Because I care about you or because someone's watching me and I want them to think I care about you, or because you've got money and power and position and I want you to think I care about you. It can be from a million different motives, the same action. God knows the difference in your motives. God can see why you're doing what you're doing. And sometimes the very things that look the most righteous outwardly are really just evidence of Phariseeism. And God looks at our heart. I need to be aware. If I'm aware that God is judging every thought I think, every motive of my heart, every word I speak, every deed I do, I'm constantly, as much as possible, aware of that. If that's true, that changes what I do. It changes what I think. It changes what I say. It changes why I do and think and say the things that I do and think and say. You see, really, if you sum up and describe wisdom in the Bible, wisdom in the Bible boils down to learning to see life from God's point of view. Because all through your life, you're going to have problems and challenges. Trouble's going to happen. One of the things, Brother Jim, that I've learned through the years is I get older, problems don't go away. I thought as I got older and I got wiser and my kids grew up and took on their own, it don't get easier. 
it just changes. The issues just change. You're always going to have trouble. You're always going to have problems. And if you go into life thinking that the goal of life is to have a problem-free life, you're going to be unhappy your whole life. Because you're not going to have a problem-free life. So when you have a problem, instead of seeing it through your eyes, if you see it through God's eyes, it looks differently. From God's perspective, it looks different. When you have an opportunity, you're going to have opportunities all through your life. You're going to have chances to do things. And when you look at those opportunities... If you look at them from God's perspective, they look different than when you look at them from your perspective. You see, people, you're going to meet people all your life. I love people. I am extrovert, is that the word? Okay. I like being around people. Last night we went to a Globetrotters basketball game and there were all these people around and we, at the break, we were walking around. I told Carrie, I said, I just, I like people. I like a crowd, and I know some some of you don't. <laughs> some of you would rather not be in a big crowd. I like a big crowd of people. Some people I don't like, though. <laughs> you know, when you look at people the way God looks at those people, it changes the things you think about those people. It changes the things you say to those people. It changes the things you do to those people. It changes your relationship to see it from God's point of view. So when we in the Bible read about wisdom and we talk about wisdom, what we simply mean is learning to think about my life the way God thinks about my life. And all the things that sometimes are so terrible. You can watch, we're coming down to the end of football season and some of the football teams... Only one of them is going to win ultimately. And you can see they show the pictures and some of the fans are just weeping and their hearts broken and their world is over because their football team lost the game. And they sound like that. That really doesn't matter. That really doesn't matter. I wore my OU shirt this week and somebody said, you're still wearing that thing? (laughs) Yeah, because really I don't care what 18-year-olds do on a football field. Because that doesn't matter. Wisdom teaches me to look at much more important things in this world and to judge the things of my life from God's point of view. I don't think God cares who the national championship football team is. Do you? There are other things that He does care about that matter. So very briefly, I want to talk to you about the opposite, about this path right here, the path of foolishness. Because the sad truth is a bunch of us live some of our lives walking down this path. In fact, all of us do some. Some of us more than others. And as you look at your life, I want to ask you to examine seriously and honestly, which one of these paths are you walking? What is foolishness in the Bible? Well, the word foolishness means this, dull in perception, not discerning, without understanding One who doesn't know is supposed to be understanding instead of understand. Last night we came in and I didn't have all of my PowerPoint finished up. So I went to the office about 11 o'clock last night to finish up my PowerPoint. As you could see by some of my earlier slides, I was really tired. (laughs) I was really tired. You ever get tired, Kent, 
where you sit there and your eyes just dull in perception. Stuff goes on around you. And I went this morning and I looked at it and I, I saw some things and I thought, why on earth did I do that? Because it didn't make sense to me when I was good perception, but dull of perception. Just had no sense about it. Jerrica's favorite story about me was we were in Galveston one year and she had not been attentive to things in her life. And I was lecturing her as we were walking down the seawall. I was lecturing her about paying attention to her life and the decisions and the choices that she made. And I was kind of walking backwards and the sidewalk did this. <laughs> and I fell flat on... She loves to tell that story. I was not perceptive of what was going on around me at that moment. I was just perceptive of what was the focus of my mind. You don't want to be dull in perception. That's not a good way to live. It's hurtful. It's hurtful to you and it's hurtful to other people. We, we describe people like that and we say they don't have good judgment. They don't have any good sense of judgment. No good sense. What do you, don't have any judgment at all? Don't have any good sense at all, we'd say, about someone like this? The reality is, no, sometimes we don't have any good sense. Sometimes we make bad decisions in our lives. Jesus talked about the distinction between these two types of people. Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, which was what? It was Jesus telling us, Wisdom, right? And in the end of it, Jesus talked about two different people, a wise man and a foolish man. And He said there was a wise man that built his house on a rock. And the storms came and beat on that house, but it was on a rock and it didn't, didn't collapse. But the fool built his house on the sand. And the winds came and the rain beat on it and the storm came against it. And it collapsed. And I want you to know, if in your world when a storm comes, you collapse, God says it's because you're a fool. If you don't stand, God says it's because you're a fool. Because storms are coming to every life. And if you look in your life and you go, you know what, I've had a storm and I've collapsed. If that means I'm a fool, something needs to change. Something about me, something within me needs to change so when the storm comes, I don't collapse. You know what Jesus said? He said this, Whoever hears and hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man that built his house on the rock. And whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. You see, if I collapse when I'm faced with challenges and troubles and problems and difficulties in my life, no matter how big and overwhelming they seem, if I collapse in the face of that, it's because I'm not doing what God told me to do. Now, I don't know where or what has caused that issue particularly, but that's what Jesus said. And if we do what He tells us to do, we're wise and we won't collapse in the face of a storm. But if we choose not to do what He's told us, we're a fool. We're foolish. So you see, He's laid out 
these two different paths before us, the path of wisdom and the path of foolishness. The path of a fool is someone who doesn't understand and rejects instruction and experience. It's someone who makes bad decisions, and as a result of those bad decisions, they're suffering in their lives. Whereas a wise man or woman is someone who has perception. They understand and they learn from instruction when they're given that. They learn from experience and they don't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. It's somebody who makes good decisions and as a result, they and those who depend on them and are influenced by them, those people receive reward, a great reward. Now we're starting a series of lessons on the book of Proverbs. And the reason we're doing that is because we need wisdom and Solomon is wise. And we're going to learn from the book of Solomon this book of Proverbs, how to make wise decisions and wise choices. We're going to have eight lessons on this. One of the things that we're going to talk about is what Solomon said about anger and hatred. Did you know that anger is not always sin? Did you know that? The Bible says, be angry and sin not. It's not. God got very angry with His people at times, didn't He? Jesus went into the temple and in anger took a a whip and threw over the tables and chased people out of the temple of God. Anger is not sin in and of itself. But anger can be very, very sinful. In its motive, in what provokes it, and in how we express it. Solomon talks about anger, and he's going to teach us how to be wise when we're angry. He's going to teach us how to be angry and not sin. And he explains that. We're going to talk about that from the book of Proverbs. We're going to talk about pride and humility. Look for a picture. I thought, that's great. Somebody puts their name. Hello, I'm better than you. (laughs) None of us would ever write that on our name tag, right? Except as a joke, but a lot of us feel that way, don't we, at times? You know, the Bible says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. But yet, we want to have some pride. We tell people, have a little pride in yourself, right? I tell my kids and uh, all the young men who are in my house this weekend, said it this morning, look your best, do your best, and be your best. David says, well, I always try to do that. And somebody else says, yeah, look good. I can remember. Be good and do good or something like that. What's godly and ungodly pride? Is there a place to be proud of your children? Is there a place to be proud of your accomplishments? Is pride always sinful and always bad? Is it really always the opposite of humility? Solomon talks about that. And Solomon is going to teach us about what godly and ungodly pride is, and how we need to have our hearts in reference to pride and humility in our lives. Husbands and wives. David said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's a good thing to find to have a godly home. Husbands, Solomon has a lot to say to you about how to be a good husband. Wives, Solomon has a lot to say to you about how to be a good wife. And He can teach us. We're going to spend some time learning what Solomon has to say to husbands and wives, parents and children.
children are an eternal conundrum. That's a huge word, but that just means they're confusing and you don't always know what to do. Scripture says, Fathers, bring up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. we got a problem with that in America today. Serious problem. we got a problem with that in churches today. God teaches us how to be wise in raising our children. God teaches us how to not raise fools, which is what we none of us want to raise a fool. We're going to see what Solomon has to teach you. If you've got a young lady or a young man in your home and they're, they're depending on you to guide and direct them, God's going to teach you how to do that through the book of Solomon. Poverty and wealth. Solomon said a lot about money. Solomon was the richest man in the world at that time. He was richer than Bill Gates. He was an extremely wealthy guy. We drove up this morning and I saw Jerry getting out of his car and I said, well, there's Jerry Jones. And Jacob said, Jerry Jones, that's the owner of the Cowboys. (laughs) He's rich. I said, well, he's also Yancey's dad. (laughs) And Carrie said, different Jerry Jones. (laughs) Solomon says a lot about money. He says a lot about our attitude about money and the wise use and the foolish use of money. We're going to study about Solomon's teaching about how to be wise with your money and how to make good, wise financial decisions. That's not a dirty word. And I know a lot of churches preach a lot about money and we don't preach a lot about money here, but the Bible talks a lot about money. And we're going to see what Solomon has to say about that. We're going to talk about character. Solomon said a good name is to be chosen over great riches. Solomon had a lot to say about what good character is and what bad character is and how to develop good character. We're going to talk about that. Brother Jeremy, I believe it is, is going to talk to us about intoxicants. You know that several states in the United States now have legalized marijuana for medical reasons, medical uses. There are two states that have legalized it for anything you want. Okay, if it's legal, is there anything wrong with it? I mean, you can read the whole Bible and he does talk about weeds sometimes, but it's not that kind of weed he's talking about. What does the Bible say about intoxicants? Is it always wrong to use an intoxicant? Is it only wrong sometimes? Is it only wrong in excess? How do you define excess? We're going to learn what Solomon has to say. Solomon had all access to all kinds of intoxicants. And Solomon was the original party animal, despite what Spuds McKenzie will tell you. Solomon was the guy who tried it all. And he can tell you what's worth doing and what's not. We're going to talk about morality and ethics. There are a lot of ethics debates and a lot of morality debates in our world today. What's ethically right or wrong? Solomon gives us wisdom and instruction to be able to make wise decisions on things like designer children manipulating their DNA and things like that. The Bible will give us wisdom about how to make good ethical choices about the decisions that we make. We've got eight weeks on this of studies out of, out of Solomon. And I want to give you an assignment. Okay? 
The assignment is this. For the next eight weeks, every day, you take one chapter of the book of, of Proverbs, whatever day of the week it is, or day of the month. So tomorrow will be the 26th. If you start tomorrow, start on Proverbs 26 and read that and think about the things you see in there. By the time we finish, you will have been through Proverbs two times. And I promise you it will change your perspective on some things. It will change the way you see relationships and problems and opportunities and challenges. All these things in your life will be changed if you'll do that. So what's our takeaway this morning? Our takeaway is two specific things. Number one, you don't want to be a fool. You do not want to walk the path of a fool. That's the worst thing in this life that can happen to you is to be a fool. And number two, learning and obeying God's Word is the key to not being a fool. Learning what God has to say to you and learning and doing what you know God has said to you is the key to being wise. We're going to study that. I hope you're encouraged by it. I want to close with this passage out of, out of Proverbs. He says, cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Don't ever quit listening to instruction. That's the way you get knowledge. That's the way you get wisdom. You need to listen. And if you ever think that you're the one that needs to be talking instead of the one that needs to be listening, you've crossed a line. And you're going to depart from the words of knowledge. We all need to listen. We all need counsel. We all need advice. We all need directed in the way of wisdom. And so I close this morning by encouraging you, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, talk to people. Get wisdom. People who are godly. And seek God's will. Don't ever cease listening to instruction because if you do, you'll depart from the words of knowledge. Hope you've been encouraged by the lesson this morning. And I hope you've been motivated to want to be wise and not a fool. If you've looked at your life and you've said, you know what, I've been foolish and I've got something that's out of control in my life and that is not right and I don't want to be this kind of fool anymore. I want to change that. And I need prayer and help from my brothers and sisters then this is an opportunity for you to publicly make that known by coming to the front and telling us what that need is while we stand and sing.